Let's look first at who is Paul addressing. Remember that Paul has been addressing Timothy about the church. And so there's slaves in the church, in the local church that Paul, here in Ephesus, there are slaves in the body of Christ. If you know anything about the Roman world in that time, it is said that there's a third of Rome, the third of the Roman Empire, were slaves. Just wrap your mind around that for a moment. A third of all the known world in Rome were slaves. So Paul, you're going to see throughout the letters of Paul, Paul will continually address slaves in the local body because he knows that there are slaves in the local body. So he's going to tell the slaves in the local body, the bond servants in the local body, this is how you ought to act. I think when we see this word slave or bond servant, we automatically go to how the U.S. Uh, historically has treated slaves, which is not good. That has not been, that's not true about this word, the word bond servant here. So we, we've got to detach from how we, the American culture, have seen slave because it's been very horrible and abusive. That's not true here in this context. In this context, what slaves were or bond servants were, were under the yoke of a master. Many people sold themselves into slavery to get out of the condition they were in. And so I, it's hard for us to imagine that there was such thing as uh, healthy slavery, but that's the context of what Paul is addressing. I believe if Paul was addressing slavery to the American church, it would look a lot different uh, than this letter uh, pertains to. So we cannot look at this one passage and landscape it over the uh, uh, the way America has seen slavery. You've got to go do some historical research about slaves. So there's about a third of the, the, the church, if a third of the Roman Empire were enslaved, a third of the church, many historians would say, that the third of the church, the local church, if not more, slaves were in the local body. And so he says to young Timothy, this is what I want you to teach the slaves or the bond servants in the local church. And this is how they are to address. And so that's the first one. Who is he addressing? He had just addressed the widows. He's addressed the elders. Now he's addressing the rest of the congregation, the slaves in the church. And so what is Paul addressing? Two different people Paul is addressing here through the slaves. He's saying that there's both the believer who has slaves and the unbeliever who has slaves. So the, the, the umbrella is this, that the slaves are both under uh, believers and unbelievers, but the slave must act the same under either umbrella that they find themselves in. It's interesting to me that what Paul says next. He says, let all who are under the yoke, remember a yoke is what you placed on someone to uh, bring them to submission, a yoke of a bondservant, they are to regard their own masters. Now the next words are interesting. Of all the things that Paul could say next, like why does Paul not address, hey, go and fight for your freedom. Go and do this. Go and do that. Go do this. When he addresses the slave, what he says to the slave is the next word. Is to regard them with worthy of all honor. He says this. This is what the Greek it literally means. That the masters deserve all honor. Like Paul. like Say something else. If I was writing the letter, I would have written something else. I would have not have said, hey, give the masters all worthy and honor. That's not what I've written, but Paul says, do this, all worthy and honor. 
The, the application to this passage is so important. And so for us this morning, we may sit here and think, well, I'm not a slave. What, what does this have to pertain to me? And it's easy for us to take these two verses and take them out of, out of the Word of God and say they don't apply to us. They do to apply to us. They, they directly apply to us. Because every one of us in this building, in some way, in some shape, in some form, are bond servants. Either to your boss, or in your house, like somewhere you are under authority. And we must realize all of us in the church are under God's authority. So how do we act as men and women under somebody's authority? We must show them honor. Both unbelievers and believers. So all of us in this place are under authority, are we not? This is why so many people want to own their own businesses. Even if you own your own businesses, you are under authority. It's called the government. You may not like it. You may not vote what we have in office, but we're still under that authority. Romans chapter 13 says this, all of us are under authority. And God is the one that has established authority over all of us. So whether who's in the office or not, that's not up to us, that's up to God, but we must submit ourselves to the God of the universe who has placed that authority over us. All of us are in submission to some authority. And so He is saying to us, and that's why I love this, what He says to us, don't go fight for your freedom. Don't go fight for this or fight for that or take a stand here, take a stand there. He says this, all that are under authority, we must show honor. That word means respect. That we, the church, must set the tone for how a lost world shows honor to authority. Has that not been blown into smithereens in our culture? We must show honor and respect to all those who are in authority. So Paul is addressing all of us, because all of us are bondservants. He's now addressing that we must show honor and respect. And now this is the question to us this morning. Why is Paul addressing this? Why would Paul address the slaves in the church? Why would Paul address us? He says it next. So that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those that have believing masters must, be, must not be disrespectful on the grounds that they are brothers. What he's saying in verse 2 is, hey, just because you have believers that are masters, no longer can you just say, well, we, we're now brothers in Christ, so I don't have to respect you at all. Like, we're all equal. So I don't have to respect you. I don't have to respect what you say to me. No, he's saying we've got to show respect across the board on the grounds that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who are benefiting by their good service are believers and beloved. What Paul is saying, why he's addressing this this morning is this. That our witness matters. Do we believe that this morning? So he's addressing the slaves and he's saying to the slaves in, in deplorable conditions. It's not like the slaves had great conditions. They, they, their lives were not great. But he's saying to the slaves, he's saying to us this morning, no matter what the conditions that you find yourselves in, we must show honor and respect. How come? 
I was thinking about this this week when I was uh, preparing this sermon. And some of our teachers are in the room. Like What's been happening in Nashville with the teachers is, is horrible. Like they're not getting the respect that they deserve as teachers. Like this is baffling to me as a person. You can make, I'll just call them out. Uh, Stephen Curry makes $250 million to put a brown ball in a white and orange basket. That seems crazy to me. But yet we have teachers that barely make minimum wage. Like the conditions that we find ourselves are flipped upside down. Our world is flipped upside down. And yet Paul is going to say to us, there is a reason that we must show honor and respect. And how many of us, when we find ourselves in those situations of a lack of honor and respect that has been given to us, do we not want to push back and say, I don't want to respect and give honor to those who don't respect me? Am I the only one in the room? I guess I am. It's going to be lonely in the pulpit this morning. But I often find myself, when people don't respect me, I don't want to give respect to them. When people don't treat me well, I don't want to treat them well. When people are short with me, I want to be short with them. When when I'm at my office, not now, not in the church, but when I found myself in a secular environment in the office, I often want to think, man, how can I cut corners and still do the job? Am I the only one? Like, man, I'll just give it, you know, 75%. Because they don't deserve 100%. I'm just being honest. Okay, I guess I'll be the only one being honest. But as I come to this passage, the conviction to me says, Oh, no, no, no. No matter what I do, where I go, I've got to give it 100%, 100% of the time. Because it matters. My work matters. Your work matters. How come? Because we are witnesses to a lost and dying world. And so he says, show honor. Show worthy honor. How come? Two reasons he says to show honor. That the name of God and, and the teaching may not be reviled. What he's saying is that in your work, you are to honor God. And in your work, you are to herald the Word of God. That means our work matters. Like Everything we do matters. Because everything we do carries with it a testimony of who we say we belong to. And so he's saying to the slaves, hey, when you're mistreated... Go out and show the world in your mistreating that you can still honor God and glorify God no matter what happens to you. And that the truth of God is still true no matter your circumstances. Because we have a world that's watching us. And so that's the why. I'm going to spend the majority of our time this morning in the application. Who he wrote to is the slaves. What he wrote to them was to show honor. Why he wrote to them is because that they are to show the glory of God and the teaching of God's Word to all. And so what does that mean? What does it mean to do the honor of God and the teaching of God's Word? The application is this. 
do you and do I and everything that we do bring honor and glory to God? Because at the end of the day, no matter who your boss is, that's not who you're working for. He tells us this, Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, glorify God. Can you say, from a high school student, college student, teacher, professional, whatever your job is, man, all that I do, I glorify God. I look back at my time in college and think, man, I, I blew a lot of opportunities because I just I didn't do the work, didn't put a full effort into it. I was not glorifying God in the classroom. Now, I wasn't straight out rebellious. I just wasn't doing my best. And then when I worked at a restaurant, I can look back in my time at the restaurant and, man, I like they give us restroom breaks and then I took like, restroom breaks you know what I mean like like just went in there for 20-25 minutes and just sat and was lazy like I try to get out of work rather than do work I, I look back now with great conviction because I wasn't glorifying God I was trying to skate around and do the easy way out and so I would ask you this question as a bond servant this morning in your work are you glorifying God? The next is this. In your marriage, as a bondservant, are you glorifying God? In everything that you're doing, in your marriage, would you say with all integrity, yes, I'm glorifying God? Because at the end of the day, you are a bondservant in your marriage. We've seen that just a few chapters before, what God has called us to in our marriage. Like To be married means you must be a bondservant to your spouse. It means you must serve your spouse regardless of your spouse's behavior. Why? Because you're not doing the work in your marriage for your spouse. You're doing the work in your marriage to glorify a holy God. You see, when I look at Jenny and it's just me doing the work for Jenny, I'm going to get really frustrated at times. I'm going to get really discouraged at times. I'm going to get really angry at times because she's not going to do things the way I want her to do things. And i got to confess that to God. But when I see her and I see myself to glorify God and doing all that I can for her, life changes in my house. Because then it's no longer about what Jenny does or doesn't do. It's about what God has called me to do. And what God has called me to do is serve Jenny with all of my heart. And if she was here in this pulpit this morning, she'd say the same thing. I'm not the easiest dude to live with. I promise that. She'll tell you that. Like I got my quirks. I got my uh, weirdness to me. There's different things about me that probably drive Jenny up the wall. One of the things is I like to leave my uh, dresser drawers open all the time. I don't know why. I just do it. And every morning she gets up and she's like, ah. Oh. But, but she serves me well, not because she's serving me, but because she's serving the Lord. 
You see, when our attitude about who we serve is adjusted and we see that we serve the God of the universe, how we serve the other person will change dramatically. And that's what a lost and dying world is looking for. You see, in the American church, we have more divorce rates in the church than outside of the church. That ought to frighten us, church. That more believers are bonded to one in a marriage, and then when they don't like how the marriage is going, the majority of, the majority of believing marriages dissolve. It's over 52% of every Christian marriage will dissolve. That ought to horrify us. But I believe it comes from this passage because we're not honoring those that we are serving. As husbands, we ought to serve our wives. It's our duty to serve them. And wives, it's your duty to serve us. So we talked about the workplace. We talked about our marriages. Now, at last, I would say this in application. Do we, in our families, that's not just our marriage. Marriage is, is husband and wife. I mean in our families. Do we serve one another? If you're a middle school or a high school student or going into college, look me in the eyes this morning. Elementary school students. You are to serve your mom and dad. I promise, you want life to be easier for you in your home? Serve your parents. It's what the, the Apostle Paul is later going to refer back to in the Old Testament where he says there's one commandment with a promise. It's how we honor our parents. It's the only commandment with a promise. To honor your mother and your father. And in honoring them, you must Serve them. They are not your enemy. They are your guide and they are your authority. But then I'd say this to you as parents. Are you guiding them with an iron fist? Are you provoking them to anger? That's on you and that's on me as a dad. Am I provoking my children to anger? Or am I guiding them in such a way that shows honor to God? And I will be honest, there's times in my house that I'm serving them out of frustration. And when I serve them out of frustration, it's more about me than it is about guiding them. And like, man, why God let four-year-olds be four-year-olds, I still don't know. And I'm sure I'm going to say that when they're 14 and then when they're 24. But man, Cedar right now in our home, it's like, man, he's the Tasmanian devil. I did not call him the devil. I call him the Tasmanian devil. But I've got to watch myself and my own heart as I serve them. Because I want to guide Cedar in such a way that I'm not the enemy, but I'm a father that has authority in his life and that he will humbly submit to, not, not fearfully submit to. That he will humbly submit to God's authority in my life as I lead and shepherd and guide him. Now we must ask the question, how do we do this? How do we live and show authority and honor in our workplace, in our marriages, and in our home? How do we bring glory to God? We must remember that we had a Master to begin with. 
that Christ is our Master. That before the foundation of the world that Jesus spoke everything into creation, everything in creation submits to Him and Him alone. That's the ultimate authority. That all of creation always submits to His authority. We see that throughout the Gospels. That There's a moment where He goes to a fig tree and He's angry at the fig tree because it's not producing figs. And He curses the tree. And you know what happens when He comes back the next day? The tree is dead. That's not because it didn't get watered. That's because that tree submitted to the authority that Jesus spoke over that tree. We see the authority that God has placed in Jesus and all creation when He walks on water. That's not some magic trick. That's called authority. We see the authority that Jesus has of raising Lazarus from the dead. You see, we have a Master that's in control of all things. But here's what's more important. Not only do we have a Master, but that Master became a slave. And in every way, He became the ultimate bondservant. He says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 30, 43, through the following. You can turn there this morning. He's addressing His disciples. And He's talking to them about this idea of serving one another. And serving the world. Said, but it shall not be among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. The same exact word that we see in our text this morning. The word is doulas. You must be a doulas. You must be a servant. Whoever would be first among you would be what? A slave to who? Not some, the text says, to all. If you want Greek class, all in Greek always means all. So we must be servants to all, both believer and unbeliever. And then he says, this is why. For even the Son of Man came not to what? To be served, but to serve. And He gave His life as a ransom for many. You see, in Christ's servitude to us. He gave His life for us. You want to know how to serve somebody? Give your life for them. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. This is one of my favorite passages about who Jesus is. He says this to Paul says this to the church in Philippi. Have this mind among yourselves. Have this regard among yourself. Have this consideration among yourselves. The same thing that he just told the slaves in First Timothy which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though was in the form of God, did not count equality with God. What he's saying there is there is a moment and moments that Jesus 
in heaven had all authority. The very likeness of God in everything that He did. Yet, He did not count Himself equal with God or quality with God, a thing to be grasped. But He what? He emptied Himself. He's the God of the universe. The sovereign in control of all things that's sitting on a throne in heaven said the moment where He decided to be obedient to God the Father to pull on skin and humble Himself to become what? A servant for us. That's what happened when He was born. He became a servant. He gave up His right to be the Master. He came to serve. He emptied Himself. Taking on what? The form of a servant. You know, Jesus could have come and come right into the palace. He could have been born in the palace as a prince if He wanted to. But no, no. He was born to a teenage girl in a crib in a manger with animals. Think about all that He gave up for just a moment. We see what He gave up in Isaiah chapter 6. We see what He gave up in Revelation chapter 4. If you remember that scene, all of the heavenly bodies are crying and screaming out and singing, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. He had all glory coming to Him. And in a moment, He gave it all up to be what? A servant. Born in the likeness of man. And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Do you want to know how to be a servant? Do you want to know how to be a bond servant that shows all honor and master and worthy to the Master? You become obedient to whoever you're serving to the point of death. There's a lot of things in you and there's a lot of things in me that must die when I go to serve somebody else. My pride has to die. My bank account has to die. My wills, my wants have to die. Everything has to die when I go to serve someone else. And I wonder for us, church, if we begin to live what Paul is addressing as bond servants to show honor and worthy to those that we serve, with all glory to God, would we see a change in our world? You see, your witness matters. My witness matters. What I do in my home matters. What I do in my workplace matters. What I do with my family matters. It is to show a lost world two things as we close. All honor and glory due to God and God's truth always stands. Do we show honor and glory as we serve one another? Let us pray. God, every single one of us in this building this morning are bond servants. We are here to serve people. Some of us do, some of us don't. I pray that for us, that don't always, myself included, that You would bring deep conviction to my life, to my heart. That I could be a husband, a dad, an employee, an employer, 
that would always bring you glory and honor. But just like the Apostle Paul said to those Corinthian believers, that whatever I do, I would do all for the glory of God. And God, if we are believers here, we have a Master. It's You. Jesus. We are Your bondservants. And You gave us the perfect example when You humbled Yourself and became a servant to us. And so God, I pray that the same way that You taught Your disciples in the upper room, the moments before Your betrayal and arrest, being beaten, being mocked, and spit upon, You would say the same words to us. That God, that we would love one another. And by the way that we love one another, the world would know we're Your disciples. God, I pray that we would not look to the world how to serve one another. We would not look to the world for any of our strength and hope. We'd look to You, Christ alone. If we would have what You just said to us in Philippians chapter 2, have this mind among us, Paul's chapel, which is in Yours in Christ Jesus, who though was born in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I pray that we would live humble lives of obedience that would bring You glory and herald Your truth. We are bondservants of the Most High. I pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen.